welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello everybody at home and welcome to Second Contact, a Star Trek Lower Decks commentary podcast. My name is Charlene Schmidt and with me as always is... Tristan Riddell. Tristan Riddell, we've done it again. We are completing a third season of Lower Decks. This always, I say it every year, it happens too fast, but dang it, it does. I, I feel like this is the fastest season yet. I feel like we just started this show. Like it just started yes! this podcast. Yeah. I know. Didn't we just get this going a couple weeks ago or something? It's insane how fast this went. But here we are for episode 10, The Stars at Night, and the summary goes as follows. The Cerritos crew must prove their worth in a mission race. That's pretty apt. Like, that's straight up the It's pretty <laughs> the concise. It's, it's all right. They've done worse this season. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right. So how about we just jump in? I mean, this is our last hurrah for a while. Let's let's go right into it. This episode is almost 28 minutes long, and everyone needs to stay until the very, very end. This is true. This is true. If you did not know that, we're going to go through the credits for a very important reason this time around. And if this happens to be your very first time listening to us at Second Contact, you can queue up your copy of Lower Decks, episode 10, and we stop at the black screen after the Cerritos swirls by and reminds you that, yes, you are watching Star Trek. That's so kind of them to do that for us. And we'll count you down. Three, two, one, play. And you can watch along with us. Or if you're just listening, hey, that's cool, too. Do whatever you're doing and be safe. Three, two, one, play. Let's do lower decks. <sighs> I love the, like, the revamped. Space Dock? Yes. It's, it's one of my pretty. favorite things in, in Star Trek. Like, one of my favorite designs in Star Trek. It, it feels like home whenever I see it. I'm like, yeah. Star Trek. I don't know why, but it feels so majestic. I can't explain it. It just is. Like, it's way better than the Starfleet Command Building. Like, I'd, I'd hang out in Space Dock, definitely. Maybe it's because it's so, so dang dark in this interrogation room. <laughs> <laughs> that is very much like a... well. I get I I'm trying to think of like an undiscovered country. I remember it was it wasn't exactly dark, but the surrounding like outside the table was dark. But this is yes. this is pretty dim. Yeah. It's pretty dim. Yeah, it's almost like you're working with spotlights. You remember in the first episode of Discovery when she gets like court-martialed, how everyone looks like a a, 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 a villain from a Bond film, like oh. how they're lit. <laughs> yes. Now that you mentioned that, yes. Oh my gosh. At least it wasn't that. <laughs> this is true. So this was a, a shock to me that they said that they were going to shutter the California class. Yeah. Pro- so like apparently that's a program. Like I, I, I know that I know that we kind of knew that, but I don't think we've. We've ever heard of that before in Star Trek, where like one class of ships is devoted to one type of mission. Like I know that we have the Oberth class, where it's just like, you know, like that's usually for not planetary discovery, but that's just for scientific missions. But it's not like the Oberth class is for scientific missions just at like 
gas nebula. You know, like, I don't know. It's, sure. it's, it's, it's something, this is super specific for a class of ship. Yeah, it really is. And the fact that they're shutting down the whole class of ship, it's like when a car company retires like a whole line, like if Ford retires the Explorer or something like that, like that that's a whole thing that's going away potentially to be replaced by something else, maybe the Texas class. And yeah, it's a great teaser. It's very solid, yeah. intriguing. Let's keep finding out what happens. Yeah, this this was crazy to me. Like th- this is the kind of thing that you see in lower decks, but you probably wouldn't see in Star Trek, like in in live action Star Trek. Right. It's a little yeah. bit too extreme where they're just like, "Oh, well this one time an automated vessel saved your butt and so we're going to cancel the entire line of ships." You know? It is extreme. Like, no, the Starfleet we know would be testing the heck out of these things. It wouldn't be yeah. one isolated incident that would retire an entire class of a ship. No, 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 no. But this is lower decks. We're going to play right. with some exaggeration and that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes this awesome. This is exaggerated Star Trek. We have exaggerated emotions, exaggerated plot lines, exaggerated jokes. That's what's right. great. Yeah. It's basically just showing, I, I don't know, it's a great way of poking fun at Star Trek by doing that, by stretching just a little bit. This was one of my favorite parts of the episode was um, was Boimler's impressions. <laughs> like they're so on, they're, they're so on target. Oh my gosh, Jack Quaid does great impressions. I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Jack's always surprises me. Like, I really thought that he would be so one-dimensional when we first brought him on. I thought he was just going to be a wharf replacement. Right. And just, you know, but he's been so much more. Like, he's so sensitive. He is. He's a very delicate bird. He's very delicate. Yeah, bear. Delicate (laughs) bear. bear. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm so glad that they have made him more than just a one-dimensional character because those first couple of times, all he's talking about is, I want to get rid of the warp core, which is going to have severe payoff. <laughs> Probably and I the cannot best payoff wait. in the season. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the best. Well, I don't want to say the best thing. There's so many good things in this episode. I love it so much. So here we have an overt homage to uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, we, uh, we're catching up with Mariner and her expeditions of retrieving old relics that do not belong to Ferengi. Yeah, they're trying to, this is interesting because you can really tell that they're try, they want to have the archaeologist approach, but they also don't want to get scorched by woke Twitter by <laughs> having grave robbing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so, which is yes, why their it, mission is to retrieve from the Steelers. Yeah, it's very much like you know, like Indi- like you know, a, a, since it's a continued Raiders reference, like we have Indiana Jones saying, "This belongs in a museum," you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, okay. And f- speaking of funding, okay, we're talking about money in the twenty fourth century. Is there right. or is there not money? <laughs> well, <laughs> this is there's something we go back and forth on. There's definitely money in the 24th century. There's lots of money in the 24th century. I mean, we see that with a lot of different races. But is there money within the Federation? No, not not within the Federation. Which but is so weird who, because... What? Yeah. I, well, because we find out who's been funding this expedition. And it's yes, a Starfleet what, Admiral. 
that's what makes it even super weirder. Like, how did he get all that money then? Where's that coming from? You know, how is he funding that? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I guess the winery, I guess. I love that the Admiral has another design for the Admiral uniform, which is another (laughs) in-joke because (laughs) in TNG, we we saw like 15 different Admiral's uniforms. Oh, man. It's like everybody, if you reach Admiral, you get to design your own uniform. It's one of the perks. I would love to see a short story like that or like a short cartoon version of... (laughs) That would be pretty cool. <laughs> I, I felt I felt ransom saying, "What if it? What do you think even is that?" Because that was immediately what popped in my head when Freeman said it. Right? Yeah. About having a, a second contact race. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> We're about to find out. And again, this is not something Starfleet would actually do, and that's okay. <laughs> See this this whole argument is is weird to me. Again, this has to fall into it's lower decks. It's a cartoon. Just move on. You know, let it go. Yeah. But the whole idea of second contact only being done by machines is insane to me because second contact should be first and foremost a diplomatic mission. Right. You're like it's you're you're a support second. Like you're you're going to check in on these individuals. You're not just dropping off supplies. You're checking in on the individuals. A machine can't do that. Yeah. Not an automated drone can't do that. No, how impersonal that would if I were a first contacted world and they just send some drones to drop off some food. Hey, cool, thanks. But where's the personal touch, man? That's really impersonal. Uh yeah, there's not really a whole lot of dialogue going on there. Yeah. I don't care how good the AI is. Now, if they were just doing like a supply run, like if they were going to, you know, sure. like a, if a scientific outpost needed supplies and you didn't want to send an entire ship, then sure, send the Texas class. Absolutely. Also, like we saw in the last episode, if you need an automated fighter, cool, you're not going to lose crew lives. <laughs> We're going to hear a lot of warp me's today. A lot of warp me. <laughs> Maximum warp me was was my favorite, I think. <laughs> so the moment I realized this guy was a full-fledged badmiral was when he lit the cigar. <laughs> yeah. And his name is Buen Amigo, which, I mean, is sort of like a blending of a good friend in Spanish. Mm. No, he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> he is badmiral. What was... and I mentioned, I mentioned this last... Like last week, actually, no, I'm changing my thought. So with this, like they're, um, like this is like a communications array, right? Something like uh, that. Something like that, yeah. So is this really fair? A, a fair uh, comparison where they have to go in and fix a pre-existing one, but the Texas style just has to drop off a new one. Yeah, I mean that that's not a fair comparison between the not two. Not at all. No, it isn't. It's so much easier to drop off a new one. But also, is that not a waste of resources? Or is yeah their reclamation going on? This is not fair already. <laughs> but you kind of knew going into it that would be the point, right? Right. Because, of course, in terms of speed, you're not going to beat a machine. But you need the human touch. And I, I do like that this is the thing that really kicked it into gear. Like, Tendi finding potentially finding life on a planet yeah that's something that if because you know they say they say that there is no human error and i'm like i mean with a machine i was like yeah but people still program the machine like 
you can yeah. do you can have human error by programming the machine and if you don't <laughs> program them to check for life or find something like there's yeah. um I can't remember where I heard this but it was maybe it was about the Mars missions I'm not quite sure I it could be making it up and, and maybe it happened in a Star Trek episode but it was <laughs> something about like why we don't just send drones and it's because like there was an individual who was wa- who was walking somewhere and found a stone that had significance that a machine never in a million years would have picked up but a human huh. with experience saw it knew knew that it shouldn't be there and recognized that it was out of place Gotcha. And so, yeah, and I, I think that like that Tendi is a great example of that. Totally. Also, she's playing into a little bit of Star Trek too, where there can't oh, be yeah. so much as a microbe or the show's off. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love I, I loved this too, because this was like a throwback to the Deep Space Nine episode where Jadzia yes. uh, was gonna try to like like fell in love real quick and then was trying to go back with him, but then couldn't. <laughs> Yeah, because they had a limited window. She was either going to go or she wasn't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which makes you wonder, how many planets are like this where they're phasing in and out? Right. Well, at least yeah. two. We know that from now. <laughs> at least two. I do like that we get to see Boimler on the bridge a little bit more. He's been like, on he's the bridge a, quite a bit. Yeah, especially this season. And like, yeah, he's a, because a lower decker would fly the ship. You know, yeah. would be in the front sometimes. Right. Yes, indeedy. You know who we haven't seen enough of this season in retrospect now that we've seen all 10 episodes? Dr. Ta'ana has not had nearly enough lines. And half of them are bleeped. So I'm hoping in season four, we're going to get a little more of her developing, having a story possibly, or at least more to do. Then it's like bleep, bleep 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 bleep. We did see her um, with Shax in the holodeck. Like that was a pretty extended well, scene. Well, <laughs> it reminded us that they're definitely an item and they're very good for each other. That's true. That was definitely her shining moment of the season. But I'd like to see a little more. I would like to see more of her too. But I think I don't know if we saw any less of her in season three than we have in previous seasons. Well, this is true. In season three, she probably had more to do than in seasons one or two. But, but <laughs> as we keep growing right. and changing, yes, I would say of the upper deckers, she mm-hmm. might be the one we know the least. Yeah, I think you're right. Like Shax has had a story. Freeman gets plenty of story. Ransom has had stories. So this was this was re- this was a really well crafted episode because you know, all these threads started coming together and they started teasing this even from the, the first episode of... Yes. With this bad role coming in and sending them to these types of missions, hoping that they'd fail in certain ways. You know, the tease of Rutherford's um, implant, it's all yeah. coming to a head. And as we see at the very end of the episodes, it's not over yet. No. <laughs> this is going to be possibly the lifelong arc of the whole series is coming to learn everything about what happened to Rutherford, what was going on, what's going to happen. We've found many more answers this season than we did in the previous two seasons combined, which is great. But like you said, room for more. It's not over. So I did think that this Admiral's change happened a little too fast because he went from 
profiteer not profiteering but like uh, you know he's an admiral who's obsessed with um self-promotion uh-huh. and you know but then he goes into a cold-blooded killer <laughs> like like <laughs> real quick for real though yeah would you say he even became the mustache twirling villain like that tropish he was it, it, i would have i think preferred if he i mean he did die from his own hubris but i, I think <laughs> i would have preferred if he didn't attempt to kill the cerritos directly like maybe he yeah. just tried to disable them or something like that. And, yeah, or and like then, leaves them in a situation where they could be left to die. I don't know, so- something. It just seems a little bit too extreme right off the bat. <laughs> but he's really making all the other bad morals look a lot better. He kind of is. Like this, like, holy crap. Like So, this- okay, again, this is the exaggeration of that You're trope. Right. You're right. Yep. Also, I do find it funny that he has the Texas class where, and there's like a, I don't know, kind of a rivalry between California and Texas. So the fact that these two classes of ship are kind of at odds with one another is pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, I think like the geopolitical situation of of our states, there's yeah, definitely something very there between yeah. California and Texas. Definitely. Definitely. Like, I loved this. The Corpus the Christi. And the Corpus Christi. <laughs> I could just love how deep his voice got. He's like, just, the yeah. Corpus Christi. The way it was said, it was so good. I laughed too. Oh my gosh. I, I lost it at this joke. Like I laughed. <laughs> I know that we sound like we're nitpicking right now, but this episode was so well put together. So funny. So, so many laugh out loud moments. This, I was shocked at this. Like people are dying. Like yeah. legit dying. Yeah, and she's just basically saying, "Ah, not our monkeys, not our circus. We're not. We don't need to get involved." Oh, oh, not not even that. Like, I'm not even talking about like her ignoring it. I'm just, oh. I'm just talking about like from a TV show perspective, from a cartoon, from a Star Trek cartoon perspective. Oh. like lots of innocent people are dying in this episode. Like, yeah, we saw like at the end of season two or one. I think it might have been one. We saw yeah. a ship explode. A lot of people died. But this, for some reason, was just a little bit more impactful. Like, this was like we saw people exploding in the hallways. And you're just like, oh, they're not joking around. Like, this is this this is happening. Uh, this is true. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were talking about not Vosh and Mariner <laughs> having to sway her opinion. I couldn't tell you her name if you put a gun to my head. Like... I still, she's not Vosh. That is what I have named her. <laughs> That's what's Vosh. in the headcanon. I can't replace that with her real actual name unless I look it up. And I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm too lazy. <laughs> I think that might be my favorite line in the episode is like, how many brown pots do we really need? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite line is still yet to come because it made me laugh as a person who lives in L.A. County. <laughs> Which you can probably guess wherever I'm going with I that I can probably now. guess where you're going, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so this was, I mean, people pull guns on each other way too easy <laughs> in sci-fi. Like, do, do we know that that's on stun? If, I mean, I they haven't guess. been working together that long. Yeah. How chummy are they? It's on stun. <laughs> Nevertheless, yeah, if you've ever fallen in love with Beckett and Mariner, or if you haven't up until this point, I think this is the episode where you do, because really, 
she has come full circle here. She's been on this journey and she's had that moment of, oh, life's the grass is not greener, basically. Mm-hmm. And I really do want to be a part of Starfleet. I want to be part of something that's better than just me. And this is an important purpose. This gives me meaning. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely. This is insane to me that, I mean, this is the second time we've seen a Sovereign class get spanked. Totally. Those torpedoes are brutal. Like, what kind of torpedoes are those? Like, like, why doesn't the whole fleet have these phasers and torpedoes? (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah, it goes to show, like, the California class isn't firing those. They are not equipped with them. So some ships get some stuff and the others don't. Like, <clears throat> this is this is crazy to me. Like, it feels, th- again, like, I, it's a cartoon, <laughs> but it feels so overpowered. Like, this ship just seems so overpowered to me. It, it really does. Well, I think, yeah, that's a, that's the point is yeah. it, it should be on its very last legs. And the poor Cerritos just gets beaten up all the time <laughs> and again like th- at the beginning of the episode they're in for a refit yeah and then at the end of the episode they're in for the next refit. <laughs> it's like this constant constant thing they're just always at space talk getting fixed poor Rito. i love how big the engine is yeah like i yeah, i feel like it's a nice blend of abrams trek and prime timeline like it it feels like it's like yeah we recognize this this like in modern sci-fi this engine probably should be bigger than what we saw in 1980s (laughs) television yeah but it's not the embarrassment that was the engine room (laughs) it's not a brewery (laughs) right and i like the abrams movies for everyone who's going to twitter to complain yeah yeah but no that is a very common complaint of the abrams first now this moment Definitely a good payoff. Boimler sticking up for Shax. And for once, dumping the warp core is a really good idea. And he could not be happier. And I'm so happy for him. He's happy for himself. He is is brought to tears Tears. because she finally, literal tears, because she finally listened to him to eject the warp core. Yes. This is his moment. Just the fact this, that everybody's hearing him on made me laugh so hard. in the hallway. I just... Oh, my God. Oh. Where are all I, these engineers coming from? <laughs> well, I guess it's security, so too, funny. but still. They all got the news really quick. <laughs> Eject. <laughs> and Phillips gives him the it. honors. That was very kind of him. Well, it looked like two-person authentic- authentication, so that was pretty cool. But, but he got to twist the keys or whatever they were. They, they both did. Oh, they bolted? I thought it was just Shaxx. Yeah. Oh. No, it was both huh. of them. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving Billups any credit then. He's just doing his job. But he wasn't shedding I, a tear over the warp core. I'm a big sucker for um, ejecting the warp core. I love it whenever I see that. We saw it in Voyager. We saw it in Insurrection. It's pretty love rare. It. The Alito looks a little toasty. Mm-hmm. And nevertheless, how is the Ritos <laughs> handling even more of these? Uh, they are incredible torpedoes. Just one big torpedo becoming many uh, yeah. explosions all over the place. It's like the Jericho it. missile in Iron Man. Yeah. I mean, Ritos is looking very, very poor right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I th- I was really, I really started to wonder, oh, are, are, are they going to... 
like have to abandon Actually, ship. Like I really was yeah. wondering if the Cerritos was going to get destroyed this season. Yeah, I think one second longer and that would have they would be going to escape pods. And like, wow, was that is that the end of the Cerritos? Or are we going to get a Cerritos A next season? I really, yeah. I legit went there too. But in comes Beckett Mariner and so many others. Now this is the moment. No, which one? Right here where we're just like doing roll call of the California class. Oh, no. We've I got, thought like, there was like a specific city that like popped in your oh, head. Oh, like, well, that you like, okay. I'm in the San Gabriel Valley. So the closest thing for me is the West Covina. And I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty Carlsbad. cool Carlsbad the San Clemente Inglewood yeah it's a big state I understand they can't roll call every city but this was this was about as cool as it gets I guess and I love how Boimler was trying to keep up like and he, he started losing his breath and <laughs> yeah. I absolutely loved seeing the different paint jobs on all of them like yes and like it's not just I know like we saw we've seen blue and 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 yellow and red before but it looks like the paint jobs are different between those colors. I think so. Like every each one has a slightly different design. Yeah, which is really cool. I love it when Star Trek does stuff like, like little details like that. Sort of like the Admiral's uniforms. Like if you are the captain of a California class, do you get to determine the pattern of the saucer? Like is that your design? Is that a <laughs> rite of passage you get? I'm going to say it is. That's in my head cannon. There we go. There we go. Head cannon. Yeah. So this and was crazy to me. This is Douglas Station, and you're telling me a single sovereign class was the only one that could help them at that moment at uh, Douglas <laughs> Station. It's yet another Star Trek trope. It's like you're the only ship right? in the quadrant. You just you gotta like in, save the day. Just like in Star Trek Generations, like when the Enterprise B is <laughs> in the freaking solar system. Yeah. It's in Seoul. Come on. And they're like, we're the only ship in the area. No, you are not. The, no freaking way. How can no that be? No way you are. No. Liars. 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 Pants on fire. Oh. <laughs> and poor Boims. I, I wonder if he's kind of dropped the whole bold Boimler thing now because he's not talking about it. And he's more of himself of, this is what I've learned from experience. And I'm not sure who, like, I can't read the room entirely. So which Mariner am I dealing with and what should I say? <laughs> Yeah, I, he's just he's just straightforward. He's just like, what what am I dealing with here? What's what's going on? Yeah, I appreciate the directness. That's the way to handle it. And Doctor Miglimu has a nice moment with Tendi here, where like at first he's so useless as her advisor, but actually he's maybe doing a decent job. So we have a return of this character, yeah, to Lynn, and she's wearing the Maquis. Um, rank insignia. Oh, is she? She I is. Didn't and so that. I'm I'm guessing Ooh. because she's wearing that, they are no it's it's we're gonna get an actual designation for that type of rank. Ma yeah, maybe it's like a more provisional thing since she's technically yeah. not Starfleet. That would make sense. Yeah, this is something that maybe like T'Pol would have worn. Yeah. You know, like you know, like if Enterprise was made today. Yeah, you know, like like to Paul probably would be wearing that because she's on loan from you know the the Vulcan right Man, whatever that makes sense to me. I was not expecting Mariner to hug her mom because her mom really did kind of screw her over. But Mariner's oh, taking yeah. this really well. She has matured a lot. Oh yeah, we are we are looking at a very different Mariner from season one, episode one. Like this is a huge arc where she left and came back. 
like it, it wasn't percent. just it, it, it yeah it, it wasn't just like oh you know like i'm sticking around because i have nothing else to do like she left and found out that civilian life was not for her she missed starfleet she's gonna i feel like we're gonna see her rededicate herself i think so we might even see some ambitions giving her a promotion hmm yeah, I'm wondering, like, are we going to start seeing, like, can it's, can they still be lower deckers if they're lieutenant junior grade? You know, like, can right. we see that kind of change and development? I feel like we're going to have to. I Like, yes, it's called lower decks, but you, we're going to have to see some career advancement. I think so. It's only natural. I, I think they have to as well. And there's always a way that you can, even if they advance, they become the next rung on the totem pole. So you might be a lieutenant, but you're lieutenant junior grade. You're not a full lieutenant yet. What does that dynamic mean? Yeah. You could do things like that. Absolutely. Like, does it mean they can share quarters if they all get promoted roughly or p- at least pick a roommate maybe? That might be all right. Because, I mean, being a lieutenant junior grade doesn't mean that you're, you know, a senior officer. No. I mean, like, you know, even, you know... Harry Kim was an ensign, but he was a senior <laughs> officer, and it goes the other way too. You could be yeah. lieutenant, lieutenant commander, but you're not a bridge officer, or you're not a senior staffer. So, right. there's they can make their own rules on this one. It, absolutely, so we're they back can at the Kala system, yes, where we saw a peanut hamper and we got a glimpse of the, the implant. Yes, and, and so we're look who it is. Badgie's in the implant. So is Badgie in the implant, or was he being reflected? I think he was in the implant, right? I think so, but don't quote me on that because I don't know for sure. That's a good question maybe for McMahon on Twitter. <laughs> so we, so we see a green tractor beam. So it could be Borg, could be Romulan, could be something could be. else. We don't know. Right. To be continued. Oh, man. Until you next know, friggin' year. Until next friggin' year. I know. We have to wait another whole, like, to, at least till next August. That's still way too long because... Dang it, we love this show so much. <laughs> and you know what was funny is I was just thinking this season we haven't had any badgie. Okay, they didn't forget. Good on them. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, I was actually expecting the Alito to turn into Badgie's voice I, when it went wrong. Yeah. Because they did mention Badgie. It was like the same kind of faulty code that Rutherford wrote for Badgie. So I thought, oh, is Badgie gonna take over the Alito, maybe, or something like that? <laughs> Teach you a lesson? <laughs> But I, I seriously thought, I think it's a little bit of a missed opportunity there. That, that I think maybe. that would have been fun. I, although there's still plenty of time. They plenty can time. still find ways to make this work. I know that they're making season four, so we'll find out when we find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, everybody. Season three is a wrap, and we hope that you've enjoyed our third season commentaries for Second Contact. Tristan, where can people find you if they want to talk to you between now and season four? You can find me on Twitter at the Insane Robin, and please make sure to go to thenerdparty.com. We have a lot of great nerd shows for everybody, no matter what your taste is. That's right. And you can find me at Oh the Profanity. Please let's talk some lower decks. Let's also talk Prodigy because today is a special day. We got two animated episodes of Star Trek on the same day, and I think it's the first time that's ever happened. I still need to watch that one, so I'm very much Ooh. looking forward to seeing Janeway again. Yeah. All right. Well, we better go. You need to go do that. And I think I'm going to go watch Prodigy again. <laughs> so <laughs> until next August, we assume, everybody, we'll see you for season four. Live long and prosper. Don't give me that sarcastic Vulcan salute. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.